Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, what's shaking, Red Nation? This is Jeremy Brenner here, and we're going to do something a little bit fun here. This is, so we've been doing three shows a week for the off season. I start us off on Mondays. Mike gets the floor on Wednesdays, and we come together as family for Friday. So, but the good thing about this is that it gives us opportunities to welcome guests and to bring on people that are around Rockets Twitter. And we have that opportunity to do that tonight as well. So without further ado, I'm going to let y'all in on our secret guest for this episode. He is a familiar face at the Dream Shake and along Rockets Twitter. And he is better known as the Vibes Meteorologist. So I'm going to ask Mr. Zeke right here, to give me the forecast for the vibes tonight. Zeke, what's going on, man? Hey, my buddy. How's it going, man? You already know what it is. The vibes is what? It's the vibes are immaculate. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I'm able to have you on the show. And I'm excited to get hopefully the rest of your compadres over at the Rockets Twitter spaces, the safe spaces, and many other members of Rockets Twitter on Uh the show later this off season, but Zeke, we've got a fun exercise tonight for the listeners. And I'm just going to briefly explain it at the top and it will hopefully make more sense as the time goes by. So this just in breaking news, not really, but breaking news, the Seattle supersonics are coming back to the NBA and we're about to have an expansion draft. That's right. So how, NBA expansion drafts have worked in the past. Each team has to protect eight players and allow the rest of the league or the rest of the team to be eligible to be selected by the Seattle Supersonics. So what this does here for us is it, it kind of allows us to rank the Rockets, per se, and who's worth keeping, who's worth possibly leaving up for a potential snag of the Sonics, and that's what we're going to do. So Zeke and I, we are going to include the two first-round picks that the Rockets have, and as part of this exercise, we're going to name who we would think as those two first-round picks, the number, the top five pick, and then what is going to be number 17. We'll just say number 17 with Brooklyn's pick, and we'll use that. We'll throw them into our list and rank them as we go. So eight players, the top eight Rockets, who we're protecting. So Zeke, you, are you good? Are you? I want to make sure you're good before we start this. I I I, I think I'm good. I, I think I'm good. I Just follow like, my lead. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Follow I'll follow your lead. lead. All right. So we're gonna go in order here. In uh, we we both made lists. You made a list, right, Zeke? Yes. All right. So we both have a list. A uh, pre. Uh, pre-show list of our top eight based on 
who we think is most valuable to the Rockets at this point and who we would like to keep. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm going to take a wild guess, Zeke, and guess your first player. And I don't think it should be much of a surprise that Jalen Green would be the first player to protect. Of course. Of course. I mean, the way how I kind of put it was just like, okay, if the draft, like if the draft came first, right? And we had to do it. So like I put draft picks first, but obviously if we're talking about like players who are actually on the Rockets that should take priority is Jalen Green. Yeah. That's my favorite child. And I'll be honest, like, I'll be honest, Zeke, like I have both of the draft picks later on the list. Like I still thought that Jalen Green is, is number one. And I would take Jalen Green number one in this draft if he were there. And I think that he would be honestly the undisputed number one. I think he's a lot better than any of the top three. Obviously I've seen a full season of him and he's a little bit further along than the prospects that we've got. But I think his upside is still much larger than anyone in this current draft or anyone on the Rockets at this point. Well, you know, I mean, it's hard. You know what I mean? Like usually the draft is just a draft. You don't know, right? But Jalen Green, we saw what Jalen Green is. And especially when he capped off the season with that 41-point performance, it's kind of like, oh, who's the next guy can be an offensive juggernaut? We already see it with Jalen Green. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you have to pick with what you know first, correct? It's a proven commodity, and that's why he's there at number one. Number two, though, there might be some... Some debate here, okay. But Zeke, I'm gonna give you uh, the floor here, and you get to say your number two first, and I'll counter if it's different. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, I, I think right now, since we're gonna go like real people first, I, I'm gonna go real people first. In this, case. all right. I'll say Alperen Sengun. Really interesting. Yes. Interesting. All right. That. That is a little bit lower on my list. I'll say that. Um, LP is actually number four on my list. Oh, interesting. He's number four on my list. Uh, But why don't you explain your your scenario? It's definitely not something I'm against, but Mm -hmm. drop your reasoning for why Alperin Shengun is number two on your list. I guess it's because he's, he's there already. You know what he is. He's on your team already. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, and I, I think is is that along with somebody like uh like Jalen Green for what he can provide offensively with the like in terms on the perimeter, Operant Sungun if he was to reach his potential, obviously, he can be another big that can, you know, conduct and connect on the floor, right? Which will make yeah. Green's life easier. And whoever the draft pick and whoever is also there easier. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. You know, and, the, and the point is with him, he's already shown signs that he can be somebody really good on defense. It's just more so can he get better with his footwork? You know what I mean? He just right. has work to be on the court. So yeah, I would take him. See, just here's my thing about here's my thing about LP that that in it's why he's a little bit further down on my list. It's not that I don't love Alperin Chang, because I do. But I am assuming that we're going to take a big here at the top five. And I don't know if – I don't know fully 
if Shangun is going to vibe with that, uh, with the big man. And in fact, there's a chance that the big man that the Rockets draft this year is, um, has more upside than Shangun. So to kind of preview my top, I think I know where you're going with this. So kind of preview my top four. I have Jalen, I have Shangun at number four. I have the, the draft pick at number three, which I'll reveal later. At number two, I've got KPJ. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen enough from KPJ that has me. He is the he is the one B on this team or the two, like solid like solid two. And you know what? Honestly, Zeke, you know what I can kind of see from these two. What I kind of hope they they morph themselves into, like a better version of. D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards. Mm, I like that's that. Kind of, that's kind of what I'm what I'm envisioning with these two is I'm looking at uh, and mainly the mainly the comparison comes from the fact that I feel like Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green are both extremely similar, and D'Angelo Russell and Kevin Porter are, are definitely different players, but I think the way that they complement each other, I think. That like that's why they've worked this season, right? Is because D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards have really vibed together, and I think that Kevin Porter and Jalen Green can also share those vibes. And I think what we've seen is when they don't play with that dominant big man, like like when we when we were playing earlier in the season with Christian Wood, you would see how those two wouldn't necessarily get as much of run as they could have. Mm-hmm. But you look at them now and you think, wow, these two could be something for real. And that's why I'm saying, yeah, Jalen, KPJ, no question. Obviously, I think Jalen is number one way before KPJ is number two. Right. But that to me is like kind of why I numbered it or ordered it the way that I did, if that makes any sense. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, KPJ is, it's funny for me, KPJ is actually, um, you know how you were talking about opera and singer should be four in your mind? Mm-hmm. I kind of swapped places. With you got, you got KPJ at four? Yeah. And That's I have fair. a top pick at three. All right. All right. Um, and, and I don't think that that's like a slight against KPJ or a slight against Shingun. It's really not. But I yeah. think we're on the same page here of where, who the core of the team is and who right. you got to keep. But yeah, number three is the draft pick, the top draft pick in this draft. And as as the guest Zeke, I'm gonna let you take the floor on this one. Okay. Who is that draft pick? Okay, Jumbo, please. Uh, Jabari Smith. I'm Ooh, taking that. Okay. So, See, I'm really glad that you said Jabari Smith. So go ahead, explain Jabari Smith. Okay, so for me, the reason why I picked Jabari Smith is because of the fact that he's not just a big. He is a wing, right? Wings are a hot commodity in today's NBA. All the playoff teams, if you look so far across the landscape, all have a wing of that caliber. A wing that can switch on defense on, on most possessions on every player that they can possible. Play help side or blind side defense and be able to hit a three. In this case, you have somebody who's actually like six nine, six ten. With a, a seven foot wingspan, 
and is a hyper three-point shooter. Like, if we have saw what – if like, if anybody has looked at of what we saw from this Rockets team, we do not have a wing that can be able to hit that open corner three. Do we have KJ? Yeah, he does it occasionally. Not you know consistent I mean? enough, yeah. But not enough. Tate, that's not, let's not even bother with Tate. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. and then just, like, all the guys that we try to plug in. He just makes life easier. And, you know, I think that's what is, like, mostly valuable at the moment for us. It's no slide on KPJ for four. I just feel that, like, somebody like KPJ comes in to add on top of that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't view him as, like, I'm not really crazy about having, like, two hyper-offensive backcourt. We, we saw that relationship throughout the NBA landscape. It has not produced a championship. The only time it's done is with um, Detroit. And they had a superior defense. Yeah, that team, that team is defense. I wouldn't even consider that team an offensive team. Yeah, they won because they had the best damn defense in the league, and that was almost twenty years ago. Not I'm, yeah, that's like, and I'm when I'm talking about Pistons, I'm not even talking about that Pistons team. I'm talking oh, okay, about okay, okay. That we was talking about Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumas. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you went way back in the archives for that one. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> think, think about it this way: When was the last time you saw like to a backcourt that scores a lot of points and dominates possessions and won a championship? I mean, Steph and Clay, but like they don't dominate possessions, and yeah. they're always a top five defense. I see what you're saying. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like it really starts to make me feel like okay, what we need to do is prioritize inside out play. And then if you can get now get people to play defense and just take make hyper efficient offensive decisions. So yeah. Like the ball doesn't stop, you know? So I'm glad you said Jabari Smith because it would be really boring if we both had the same answer. Uh, I already know where you're going. Because once you said big and you were like, oh, yeah, you know, Sengun would probably may not play nice. I know where you're going. I got Paolo at number three. Interesting. I got Paolo at number three. And the thing is, I I really like the fit of him because I, I think that for me, honestly, and I kind of mentioned on the last episode where we talked about our offseason wish list. Go check that out if you haven't done so already. But I think the difference between the three of them, Chet is a more of a developmental guy and not really what the Rockets are looking for. I think the Rockets are looking for a guy that – can push their like make their team better next season, and Chet is going to have a learning curve with him. They're all going to have a learning curve. I just think that Chet's is going to take a little bit longer, um, and he's going to need to bulk up. So I just like obviously if the Rockets end up with a third pick and Jabari and Paolo Banquero are off the board one two, you do take Chet at number three. But I think that I would rather have Paolo over Jabari and Chet mainly because I think his ceiling is the best. I think he's the best player available in terms of lowest floor and a pretty high ceiling. I think that that's kind of what we're going at here. Um, so to me, like, I, I, I think also, Zeke, you've, you've added an interesting spin on this. I consider Jabari to be a big, but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should be seeing him more as a wing 
because he could operate as such in the rocket system. I think that there is a, a space for him in that in that realm. You can even However, say Paulo exists in that realm also. He's a kind of a he can be a wing because of yeah. I, and I think that's kind of how the Rockets would would utilize him. I don't know if his defense is as good as Jabari's, but I guess what I'm saying is I I think with Paolo, his connections to the team already does make a difference for me. And also the fact that he is like, you know what they need him to be, Zeke? They need him to be or whoever they make that pick, they need him to be the Chris Middleton to the Giannis. Right. Let Jalen Green be Giannis in terms of just the number one scorer and let Chris Middleton cook. Like you can't just forget about Chris Middleton when you play the Bucks, and hopefully for the Rockets, you can't forget about Jabari Smith or you can't forget about Paolo Banquero when you're playing um, when you're playing the Rockets. And and, you know, you can also argue that Kevin Porter can be like the Drew Holiday. If right. his defense can continue to improve at the rate that it's been. I think, and then you utilize him as more of a, a pass. Like, that's the thing, though, is he's a, he is a scorer. So, but to me, to me, I don't see how you can take Kevin Porter out of the starting lineup. Like, not anytime soon. I don't think, I don't think that Steven Silas would be the one to do it. I think it would end up being the next coach that does it. I, I think that Kevin Porter is, has earned, done more than enough to earn his, space in the starting rotation for the Rockets. No, I agree. I mean, if we're talk, operating under the guys that, you know, the basketball gods come in and say, the Seattle, the, Seattle's back, right? Yeah. Based off what we saw from the last, uh, what was it, seven games from KPJ, you're not going to get, you're, you're not going to get rid of him. You're not, you're Absolutely not. not. You're Absolutely not. not. And based on the trajectory of where he's going, you can say, okay, those seven games were enough to say under the guise that we can, we're rolling the dice one more year, we can, we can roll with him. Mm-hmm. We can roll with him unless, like, you know, some unmitigated circumstances happen where, like, you can no longer go with him anymore. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So, yeah, we're rolling the dice, we're rolling him again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, more on the KPJ stuff, it's like, you know, KPJ is – you know, people like to talk about like what he is and what he's not. Here's the thing: the pathway for him to be successful is already there. He's a plus forty percent three point shooter off of catch and shoot threes. He's really good at finishing at the paint, and he has decent reads. And um, he's very he's very active on defense. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and I think that's the part that gets lost in translation. Like we're saying, KPJ is a bucket, but no one really gives him his credit for how active he can be on defense, right? You know you and know who KPJ is? Who? KPJ. Yes. You know who he isn't? What? Nobody else. That's a great way the to The man is it. one of one. And yes. like I feel like there are shades of his game in in other players, but I think like I've said this multiple times with with Kevin Porter. People need to like the Rockets are also and this doesn't just go with Kevin Porter. This is more, you know, the Rockets are trying to build a team that is going to be successful in three or four years. And that and part of that comes with forecasting how teams win games four to five years from now. 
So the Rockets, while their lineups may feel wonky or, or weird or just unorthodox, it's because they're trying to create an unorthodox, never-before-seen way of playing. I mean, there are a lot of similarities, and I don't think I don't think they're trying to reinvent the wheel per se, but I do think that this particular team is going to be very different than what we have seen in the past. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, I know people are going to say, why does it look wonky? I mean, listen, not every rebuild does not look the same, right? Exactly. There are some rebuilds that look down bad and there's some rebuilds that look beautiful. The Celtics rebuild of years ago when they had Isaiah Thomas in the league, Mm-hmm. Like that was a re- that was a rebuild that people pray for. I, I call that more of a restructure than a rebuild, but yeah. I mean, you a know, retooling, retooling, or like what the Raptors just pulled off. This yeah, season. that's so the Warriors. For. Yeah, or then you could be you can be like the Kings and be rebuilding for fifteen years. That's the worst. I'm right. hoping that that's not what we're going for. But right. to kind of right. get back on track here, right? Let's let's move on with our list. So we've we've set our top four. I've got on my list in order Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, the draft pick, which I presume to be Paolo Boncaro, and then we have Alperon Shengun. And Zeke, on your list, you've got Jalen at the top with Shengun number two, your presumed draft pick at number at the top five, which is Jabari Smith, and then you have KPJ. Right. So we've got basically the same top four, just okay. in a different order, but number five. Okay, does we'll go this with five. change. All right, I'll go with five. You know, I think this might surprise some people, but I've got Jacob at number five. Wow, Jacob at number five. Like, not like may. I feel like a lot of people are like, maybe, maybe not. No, he is safe. That like, do not send because because here's the thing too. If he were in uh, an expansion draft, he would go. Like, I don't see why he wouldn't. He has just so much upside to me that it's just insane. Like I, I see him as like, a, I see him as like taking that role that Eric Gordon's had as like the sixth man kind of guy and just being like a jolt of energy off the bench. And I think like, I think there's enough that we, cause look, we, we've seen him already beat our expectations so much. I don't necessarily think that, he's going to like stunt. I think he's got more that we haven't seen yet. And I'm really excited to see what he's gotten here too. No, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Like, uh, I can't even argue that one. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> where, where's Jacob on your list, Zeke? Whew. Cause I, I, I listened to, I, I made the list wrong. Right. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think about it. If I had to put him in priority, ooh. So, so he wasn't on your list. No, he was. He's on my list. He's okay. on my list. All right. I just ordered the list wrong in relative to how we're doing it. Oh, right? okay, okay. So that's that's what I'm saying. I'm like, who? Okay, let me think about it. Let me think about that. First. So you got to take your last four and prioritize them. Yes. But yeah, and while you do that, I'll just I'll I'll kind of get on my soapbox and and yeah. Uh, yeah, get, yeah, get that, more Jacob conversation in. All right, but like the thing with him is it, it's difficult because you're you're talking about Chris, like you're talking about Josh Christopher, 
And you don't like, and to have him at number five might sound a bit high because he's not, there's not really a path for him to the starting lineup. I would say just because chances are the starting lineup next year, he's not going to be in it. And Mm. there are probably some people off the bench that you would put in above him. But I think long-term, if we're talking about the the rockets that you have, he is the in terms of up until this the end of next season basically because we've got the two lottery or the two the two picks on top of the team we have now. He's the person that I he's top five in terms of who I put my stock in. Yeah. Right now, no, I mean, I just reordered my list and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I put him. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I put him. In All right. Yeah, because well you know what it is. You know what it is. Like he's <laughs> such. He's basically like a miscellaneous player. Like he comes in and he just does everything you ask. And the good thing he's about like him the too, spark plug that you can't be mad at. He can play yeah. guard, shooting guard, small forward. He literally, exactly. He literally takes up the space that Eric Gordon is about to get cast away this season, or right. when he expires from his contract. And that's that's another great point that you made is he can play he can play with Kevin Porter and Jalen Green. He can play with just Kevin Porter. He can play with just Jalen Green and it works in every single scenario. I don't think there should be a lineup per se that has one of like every lineup needs to have at least one of those guys. Mm. Preferably, you would like for there to be at least two of those guys out there. And for them to just kind of run a three-guard rotation mm. where they all play like 30 or so minutes a game. Right. Personally, that's how I would play them if I were Steven Silas. So that, to me, is worthy of being the fifth most valuable player on the team. No, I agree with that. So, so who do you have number six? Number six. All right. Now, this um, this is interesting as well. I was going back and forth between the draft pick and KJ. And so I ultimately why, decided... Why are we having a similar thing, man? This is crazy. And I ultimately decided with KJ over the draft pick. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Just for the sake of being different, I'm just going to... You're going to switch it? Yeah. You're going to switch it? Opposite. <laughs> Even though like, I, I was literally fumbling through this, because I'm going to reveal who I have last. For an eighth, it's Christian Wood. And it's not because... Oh, mm. I think he's a bad player or or like I hate him or anything like that. The point of the mat- matter is, is that he's talent at the end of the day. He's realized talent. And if you're going to keep him in this like draft, so to speak, you either can contribute or you can contribute as an asset in a trade farther down the line. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? That's just the yeah. talent you just don't let walk away. So you have so so you have KJ the draft pick and Christian Wood to round out your list. Yes. See, I have KJ, the draft pick and Jay Sean Tate to round out the list. Oh, wow. So, so you know what it is? I think Tate, if we're being honest about Tate and what he's done compared to Christian Wood, he's regressed. And the thing about Christian Wood is that he may be an expiring contract, but he's still talent. And in the same process, like Tate is also an expiring contract also. Well, it, Tate has Tate has two years left. After and on top season? of that, yeah. So so 
going into next season, he has two years left. So he's in his, he becomes a free agent in 2024. Interesting. 2024 is when he becomes a free agent. And, you know, I I see a lot of arguments for Garuba down in the chat. Yeah, that's exactly what I was to bring up. That was tough. So, so like this, this last spot really came to, um, to, to Jay Sean Tate, Usman Garuba, and Christian Wood. And AD, I know you're talking in the chat. If you want to come up here and, and defend Usman Garuba, Feel free to hit that speak request button, or if anyone in the chat wants to defend Usman Garupa, uh, come up and um, act as his act as his uh, counsel. AD, listen, AD, I really thought about it hard, man. But yeah, I just no, said, it's, but it's I just definitely a difficult said, choice. This is the this is the problem here. It's between when you're like in a situation where like you have to retain players, you literally have to pick between like actual talent versus like the actual product of what somebody is versus like what they the potential yeah and yeah it, and it gets tough i'll say this i think that out of those three players the person that would most likely go in an expansion draft would be jay sean tate and mm-hmm. that was my biggest reason for it i feel like with christian wood he would be likely to come back only because he does have that expiring contract and he has proven um you know to be like big yeah and so like it wouldn't surprise me if the seattle sonics in this scenario were to take him but i think that they would be more likely to take jay sean tate over those guys because jay sean tate has been seen as a guy that if he were in the right situation if he were in the right system could be a starter on a championship caliber team right now. And I think what they've seen from him already is that he could be that. And I feel like most GMs are more likely to point towards Jay Sean Tate as someone that they would want on their team over Christian Wood, even though Christian Wood makes more money than he does. I imagine Jay Sean Tate, when he becomes a free agent, will make Christian Wood like money. But I'll, I'll, but I'll say this. Let's say... I'm going to sit here on this soapbox and defend Gruber, right? Mm-hmm. Gruber over Tate because, yeah, Tate may be the impactful player because he's played, you know, in the NBA and has pro- produced himself to be at least like a, a, a PJ Tucker light in the sense that he can go in and just raise hell on defense, right? And just play make some as a secondary playmaker, even though he has his flaws. We're not going to go there. I can go on and on about how I yeah. feel about Tate, right? But I think the point is to look at Garuba is that Garuba may be young, but we saw Garuba playing meaningful basketball in the Olympics, and he was clamping up superstars and literally playing world basketball. And he was playing for, what was it, Real Madrid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was playing meaningful basketball in a really good league. Yeah, so like there's more to say. There's more to say that he will be a way. He will be a productive basketball player once he figures it out. But my thing with Garuba, and to kind of go more on the main timeline here, I just feel like Garuba is going to be the odd man out of of just what the Rockets are doing right now, and it sucks. And the thing is you knew that this something like this was going to happen because they drafted four guys last year. 
and it was just going to be difficult to play all four of those guys. Garuba just so happened to be the one that got injured, and ultimately, and just Garuba just had an incredibly unlucky season where he got injured right away, then he got COVID, then he was going back and forth between the G League, and he just never found his footing, and the team moved on without him. And that's that's the thing too is like the Rockets are going to bring in so much more talent like you like you they have two first round picks in 2023 right mm. and then multiple picks they have multiple picks every year until 2027 yeah something like that eventually have to consolidate these picks exactly really, and i just feel like garuba's gonna for everyone garuba's gonna run out of time he's gonna run out of time or the team's gonna trade him because they see value in trading him which sucks because you don't want you don't want to see any of these young guys traded. But I'll say this: I think this is a good exercise because it tells you who you think is going to be part of the Rockets' future. And I think Zeke. What we've seen is, as much as we would like Garuba to be part of the future, I think the Rockets have to put their priorities elsewhere. I'll say this: right, um, the crazy things about rebuild is that I remember. Our friend told, you know, our friend Lee said this, right? He told me one time, personally, he's like, Zeke, when it comes to a rebuild, you don't know anything. You, all you have to do is trust the general manager. You can't get attached to basketball players. The front it's office like will do what's best. And you'll just have to sit down, shut up, and believe them. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not stoned, so I don't know what's going on. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's the one that decides whose time is up or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. The way how people draft will decide who will be available and who is not. You know what I mean? We didn't think we could get Sangoon at pick 16. He just happened. It just fell to us. You know what I mean? So um, I would just say, like, I wouldn't want to say somebody's opportunity is up, but any of these players that we're, we're, we're putting on here and we're saying we have preference for, their time could come up at any moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like to preface and say not. Well, not, not hopefully anymore. not like the top of our list, but maybe the middle of our list is not as secure. Right. Which let's kind of move back up a little bit because we kind of skipped six and seven a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I was about Kate, to tell you, let's, let's rewind a little yeah. bit. All right. So, so we got KJ at six and then the rookie, the second rookie pick at seven. Um, yeah. KJ at six, I think is very fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think given like a lot of people s- s- want to start him, Zeke, start KJ or, or come off the bench, KJ? Mm. Okay, so here's the thing, right? Um, it depends on the. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see how the lineup is so far. So, in our ideal lineup, right, we would mm-hmm. have Sengu starting, we would have the the power forward or wing that we have, which is either Paulo or. Or Jabari, right? Let's just say you you have Jabari just because that's your that's your pick. Okay, so Jabari, and then our three, yeah, we would need a three. Yeah, let's start let's start KJ. You think KJ would start uh, the three over Jason Tate? I mean, in my world, Jason Tate's not on the team, so he can start. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think in this case, it's better for the team because then there's less less is more. I think what happens with Tate, Tate just does too much. Like he is more talented than KJ in in a vacuum, but for what the talent is on the floor, you don't really need him to be 
a connector, especially when he has tunnel vision. You already have players that can already shoot the three and knock it down. Right? I think so the good thing out. about Jay Sean Tate, and I think what we're going to see in this in this third season with him, is I, I think he's going to take fewer shots. I think he's going to recognize that the the guys that are there on offense are capable. And not that's not to say he won't put his head down sometimes and go to the rack like he can, but I don't think he's going to have to do that as much because there's going to be uh, – there's going to be Paolo or Jabari or Chet or whoever, hopefully, right. in the front court. And there's going to be a two backcourt, you know, with, with KJ and KPJ that, you know, he's going to be obviously, he's going to be the guy you leave open in the corner. So I'll say this, Jay Sean Tate, every single day in the offseason, I really hope he's taken like 500 corner threes and becomes a master at it because that's mm-hmm. kind of what we need. It, like if he, if he was making his threes at a 40% clip, then he would be on this list without question. He doesn't – well, 40, 40% th- clip is a little too high. That's the elite of the league. Just – if he can make 35% of them. Yeah. Probably yeah. Start, even there. Let's be nicer, 34%. I don't think anybody would be mad. That 1%. That 1%. <laughs> that 1%. All yeah. right. So, I mean, I see value in, in having Jay Sean Tate start. I think, I think defensively he would match up with the, the top scorer from the other team. I think that's important. Uh, and I don't know if KJ's there yet, but I do think we're getting to a point now where this, in this training camp coming up, it's going to be a legit storyline and it's going to be, well, let's, let's figure it out. I don't know if, if Silas is going to bite and change anything, but I'll be, I'll be interested to see what happens there. But number seven is that draft pick. Okay. Anyone you have in mind for that for that second draft pick? That's basically what this question is. Yeah. Um, who are you taking at seventeen? So this depends if this guy can slip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really am a big believer of Tari Eason. I really okay. Tari Eason. Tari Eason is basically a damn menace on defense. He can also put the ball in the hoop. Um, there's something, you know. What I'll say is this, right? My look at draft, right? When I look at the draft outside of the lottery, I look for players that have an elite skill and what can you build on top of it? And is it like transition? Can it work in the NBA? Right. Mm-hmm. One skill that he has is, is, is his motors. Actually, the, the skills that he has is his elite motor skills and his willingness to play defense. His defensive metrics in college basketball are ridiculous, right? And he's able, and as a six man, he was able to put up 20 points a game, right? Now, mm-hmm. the jump shot looks funny, right? But yeah. as you can tell, like, this team knows how to fix jump shots, right? Mm-hmm. Jalen Green came in with a chicken wing that came out, that, that fixed, right? KPG came, KPG came in Houston not being able to shoot the three. Now this guy is one of the better three point shooters in the league, right? Mm-hmm. There is something to be said that it could happen with Tari Eason with work, right? Now, if Tari Eason doesn't come out, let's say we don't get Tari Eason, I like Wendell Moore from Duke because of that. Yeah, because he's malleable. He can do a lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of guys there. I've seen him bring up the ball and set up. He's really good at shooting threes. He's just a guy who just knows how to play the game of basketball. So that's There's a I'm lot thinking. of guys at 17 that are intriguing. Usman Diang is another guy that 80s that's mentioned in the chat. For me personally, I've got Kendall Brown from Baylor. Okay, that, okay. 
is someone, you know, he, he gives me, he gives me a lot of Josh Christopher vibes as just someone who, you know, came, uh, was really revered coming out of high school and didn't necessarily perform to the best of his abilities in college, but he is just Hooper, man. And he can shoot the three, six, eight. So he'd be like a, he'd be that wing that you need. Um, and I do see myself, I guess, valuing a lot on offense, considering I've, I've put KPJ so high and I've put uh, Josh Christopher really high and I've, I've devalued maybe defense in a, in a, in a slight way. That's the thing though. that's going to have to change about this team moving forward. So, but at the same time, you know, you get guys like Garuba who are there strictly for defense and Garuba hasn't panned out as much as you would hope. So, I think the the best way to build is getting guys that are super strong on offense and find a way to take their defensive intangibles and use it to their advantage as to, you know, when they're probably focusing more on the offensive side of their game. That's what they're going to need to do with guys like Kevin Porter, with Josh Christopher, with Jalen Green in some respects. Uh, and, and Shangun, I think, I think Shangun's another player that you really need to, you know, cause he, uh, he brings so much to the table offensively as mm. a passer and as someone who can space the floor that you need him on offense. But in order to get the defense to that same level is going to be the tricky part. And I think it's also a lot easier to draft offensive talent. And then you see how these, you know, and then you get your defensive guys through free agency. And I think that's ultimately kind of what the Rockets are going to try to do um, is, is kind of go for offensive talent. That's what they did in this draft, in this past draft. They went right. for Jalen Green over, they went for Jalen Green over, over Mobley. Mobley. Yeah. And they had, you know, so like that was kind of what kind of clued me in and said, okay, they, they, they value offense. And I think that's kind of why we see, Jabari and Paolo as better prospects because offensively they're a little bit more further along than Chet is. And I think the same can be said for, you know, a lot of guys. So that's, I think what this, this exercise has done is it's really shown what we think the Rockets prioritize as, and then as just individual fans and what we value. So I think this was a very successful experiment, Zeke, but before we go, let's, Let's just throw our lists down one through eight. So you share yours first, and then I'll share mine. Okay. So, so who are you protecting in this faux expansion draft for the Rockets? So Jalen Green is one. Alperen Sengun, two. Jabari Smith, three. KPJ, four. Dross Christopher, five. And then just the sake of being different from you, even though you and I agree, Yep. I, I picked – uh, Tar Eason at six, KJ at seven, and Kristen with eight. All right. And then for me, I've got Jalen at one, Kevin Porter two, Paolo Bancaro, the top draft pick at three. Then I have Shangun at four, Christopher five, KJ six, the second rookie pick, which I have tabbed as Kendall Brown, number seven. And then number eight, I have Jay Sean Tate. So it's a very interesting list. And, and obviously with Wood and Garuba being kind of our uh, honorable mentions and Jay Sean Tate, I think that it shows, you know, we do have a lot of guys here that are worth investing in. And 
I think, and I, like I mentioned, you know, Jay Sean Tate for me was more of a strategic decision as to who another team I think would want to snap up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think the Rockets value Christian Wood and Gruber or anybody that wasn't mentioned tonight. You know, I think it's just a long, you know, I think the Rockets have a lot of potential and a lot of upside with every guy. And that's what you have to do when you have a rebuild. You have to throw as much, you have to throw as much as you can at a wall and see what sticks. And I think the Rockets have enough that is sticking to make me a believer in this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I believe in the Rockets. They have done a lot of things to make you say this is a, a competent franchise, right? Mm-hmm. They made lemons out of Mike lemons. doesn't agree with that fully, but uh, he'll, I mean, he'll have his he'll have his say on our next episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I'll just say that. Listen, if you're looking at the draft and see how all four guys come out, especially three of those guys became like main rotation guys for this team. You could say that this team knows how to find, like, knows how to make lemons and turn them into lemonade. Look at Garrison Matthews. We had him come out of nowhere, shoot blazingly throughout, like, most of the season until he fell off a cliff towards the end. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Tay is another guy. He picked him up out of nowhere, and he's a contributing factor to the team. Somebody that we actually debate about if he's the core guy on the team. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They know how to get their guys. So, you know, I believe in this team. This yeah, let, let's team. hope let's hope there's no expansion draft anytime soon. Oh no, no. I wouldn't no, want that, to get rid of any hard decisions. <laughs> and you know what? I'm happy you said like the Seattle Supersonics expansion draft because when I thought expansion draft, like I, I immediately thought like, oh, somebody, you know, the plane like a team plane crashed and then Everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. No, and I thought that. about the Reddit. It but, was like a, it was a Reddit NBA post from years ago oh, that somebody man. said, "What happens yeah, if that happens?" And it's like expensive that, and it's just like, oh damn. So that no, was, that's but, not that's not that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. We can't have that happen. But I do think it is going to happen in a few years. I think I think by 2030 we'll definitely have an expansion draft, and we'll actually we have to talk about this and you know, have to actually make decisions. But that day is not today. I'll tell you that. And this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you guys so oh, much no for tuning into this episode of the Dream Take. Thank you to our big, awesome, super amazing, immaculate guest, Zeke. Uh, Zeke, tell the listeners where they can follow you on Twitter. Hey, man, you know where to find me. You can find me on Twitter as It's Just Zeke. Uh, just you plays the IT S part with a Z. So it's it's I-T-Z, just Zeke, and then you'll find me right there. Yes, and be sure to also follow us on Twitter at the Dream Take and at DreamShakeSBN. You can also head to our Facebook page if you're over there. Give us a like and head to our website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets, at SBNation.com. We'll be back on Tuesday night to record. Mike's got the show. Don't know exactly what he's got planned yet, but I can guarantee you it's not something you're going to want to miss. It will be out on demand on Wednesday morning. So be sure if you're, if you listen to us on your commute to work or at the gym, feel free on Wednesday to hit that play button, or you can listen to our past episodes. That's a good thing about the off season is that all of our episodes are pretty relevant still. So uh, go and check out our past episodes. Uh, we've got three episodes a week during the off season. And we're super excited to talk off-season with the Rockets. To me, it's the real season. So thank you again, Zeke. Thank you to our listeners here that listen to us live here on Spotify Live. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so 
at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you guys so much again for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets. All right, peace, guys. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.